Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Music Buds podcast. This is episode number 53, and my name is Henry. This week, I'm honored to be joined by composer Gareth Coker, uh, known partly for his extensive work in video games like Ori and the Well of the Wisps, Immortals Phoenix Rising, the upcoming Halo Infinite game, Ark, uh, and many others. Gareth, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It's great to have you on. Uh, thanks. Great to be here. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone who is listening. Yeah. Well, um, how's life for you, first of all, these days? Pre- pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm two weeks away from being fully vaccinated. So oh, cool. uh, yes, that, that whole uh, thing is about to end. Um, I've, I haven't been home to England, obviously, since, uh, since this thing started. So it's been a pretty pretty long time to to not see family um yeah. but uh um yeah it, that's that's coming to an end but the, the the flip of it is is really that like honestly i i feel very fortunate because the the game industry hasn't really stopped it's it's kind of the one thing that has kept going throughout the pandemic it's it's the industry that was set up to probably one of the best industries like that was able to transition to working from home easily because it's such a tech driven industry anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think people are working a little slow because things happen a little bit slower as we've all found, like when you're always doing meetings online and everything, but um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of amazing games came out last year. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, this year is a little bit slower, but there's still, there's still people working. So I feel, feel very fortunate to be able to, um, carry on writing music um it's why people ask me like how's life during the pandemic and i'm like well i was pretty much in this room the whole time anyway because yeah. uh, this is where i write music and i work from home so um <laughs> it's for, for me I, I feel very fortunate that it didn't it didn't it didn't change that much but obviously i appreciate the like the vast majority it was pretty much uh kind of life-changing thing so i think uh you know we're all looking forward to to getting back to normal and i think i think america crossed 50 percent vaccinated today so yeah um yes getting getting close yeah for sure um well uh i i guess uh, i was curious uh how was it that you got started in music was that something you'd always kind of set out to do oh wow you're re- really going back here okay so um my parents bought me piano lessons at the age of eight, and I wasn't particularly enthusiastic. Then they also sent me to boarding school, also at the age of eight. And I'm like, well, I guess they just don't like me anymore. No, they probably did. But like um, going going to boarding school is not considered a punishment in England. It's uh, <laughs> Boarding schools have been around for a long time, and they're, they're really good schools. Um, and I'd always had an aptitude for music. Um I taught myself how to read music um, just by reading books and like understanding it. I didn't like ever have, so, so even before I got piano lessons, I could read like a treble clef. Um, and uh, one of the things about boarding school is there's, there's not much to do at the weekends. Like mm. I'm stuck in this school that's kind of, you know, really actually was in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, uh, but they do give you plenty to, they do give you plenty of activities to do. There's just not like, you know, you, you can't really just get away with playing video games all weekend because it literally wasn't a video game console. So, yeah. um, so I was like, well, I was going to kill time by practicing. And when you're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and you practice something a lot, you just get good pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> that's just what happens when you're a kid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, my instrument of choice was piano. Um, I got really skilled at piano very quickly. Um, I picked up some other instruments on the way, trumpet, trombone. Uh, I even started learning the pipe organ because uh, our school had one, um, which was great fun. Um, I did not, I got into composition by accident. Um, and the, the, it stemmed from being part of the school's jazz band. And in jazz band, you have to improvise. Um, yeah. It's usually, you know, a good minute or two where solos are passed around the group. Um and for whatever reason, I could do it. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I just kind of, knew, you know, I knew my way. I probably because of all the practice. When you have so many different patterns under your fingers, you you just some of it becomes second nature. Um, and I had a good ear. Like that's one thing I always knew I had. I, like I could hear like when I was playing something that didn't sound right, as opposed to something that did sound right. Right. Um, so 
from jazz improvisation, I'd eventually, instead of practicing whatever classical music my teachers were asking me to practice, I just would start noodling on the piano. And I, I wouldn't say many of them were very good, but eventually you start to noodle things that become more structured. Long and short of it is, is a teach, uh, my music teacher at the time was like, your, your, your noodling is pretty good. Uh, you, should, you should apply to music school. And I was like, well, whatever, I've got nothing to lose. Uh, if I don't go to music school, I'll probably just go and do engineering or, or computer, computer stuff. And, and ironically, I think I would have ended up in video games anyway um, right. as a programmer. Um, but I was like, well, whatever, you know, I'll pay the application fee. Let's, let's have a go. Let's find out if I'm good enough. Um, and my portfolio was, was so terrible. Um, it was almost all piano music. And when you're applying to music school as a composer, they're kind of expecting that you know your way around an orchestra or at least a string section. No, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I was doing, uh, but I still put together a, a long portfolio. I was like, I'm not going to kill them with quality, but I am going to kill them with quantity. Um, right. So even if they don't listen to all of it. Anyway, well, I obviously got accepted because otherwise I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. <laughs> um, but they said the, the reason, I'll never forget like what they said to me. Um, it was actually in my, one of my first classes with my tutor there. He's like, I, was, I, I actually asked him, I was like, why, why did you pick me? Because there were definitely more qualified people there. Like, you know, because I was looking, you meet other students when you're doing the audition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at their portfolio and it's like massive orchestral scores, like <laughs> big binder of stuff. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, why, what am I doing here? Um, and they were like, well, you can't write for orchestra. You can't conduct. You don't really have many technology skills. Uh, your arranging is pretty bad. There's no real structure to your work. And I was like, OK, <laughs> What's, what is that? And they were like, but yeah, you can write a melody. Uh, and that's the hardest thing for us to teach. Um, so we can teach you all of the other stuff, um, but the actual like sense for melodic writing is you've, you've got it. Um, and I was like, well, great. Uh, off to, off to work we go. Um, and you know, I did spend the next four years learning all of that stuff and to get back to your original question, which was like, how do you get into music? The kind of point of that answer is I never really took it seriously until I got that answer from right. my music teacher um because you know you, you need to hear it from someone who like actually you know believes you can do it um as opposed as opposed to when you're in school when i was in boarding school everyone was just like always telling me oh your music's you know your even your noodling is good or you're so good at piano and all of that stuff but no this was actually someone who had been there and done it um and i was like okay well maybe i could actually make a career out of this if i do all of the things if i get better all of the things that he says i suck at um mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm brilliant at all of those things, but I at least have a basic knowledge of, of all of it now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was when I really started taking it seriously. But it's not it was never a path that I like set out on. I think I applied to music school because I thought it would be fun. And I think that's one of the important things to remember about this is we play music emphasis on play um it's supposed to be fun and I, I remember being in music school and i was like man everyone's taking this really seriously like it's you're 18 to 22 it's you know you can fail uh at 18 to 22 and you'll still have time to figure stuff out like probably you probably don't really need to start figuring i didn't i didn't figure out you know this career until i was honestly like 29 or 30 um like yeah you, you have time to like have some fun and, and do things i i tried to you know, I did take it seriously, but I was also like, you need to also have a have a life as well. And so some of the poor kids in music school, I feel like have been practicing for so long relentlessly. And it does it does for some of them pay off. But like, you know, I, I think there's something to be said about, uh, you know, when you're working in the arts, if you're doing it from a from a good place, I think that can be felt by other people as well. No, no, that's a good point. It It, it is such a tough business to get to get into it and to even stay in. You know, it can be so back and forth you know you never yep. know but um well now talking about some of the the video games you've you've worked on like uh ori and the will of the wisps uh is a is a great one because it's this kind of platform like fantasy magical game and it has this very dreamy kind of sparkly sound to it what mm -hmm. was that kind of project like or that process like of getting involved with that 
Um, so Ori and the Will of the Wisps um, is a sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. So, um, you know, obviously the, the first game was very successful and uh, the, the music for the first game was much loved. Um, so I think, um, I think people would have been very unhappy if I hadn't been hired for the second one. <laughs> uh, so uh, that, that's how I got involved. But like the, the, the process for the for Will of the Wisps it was honestly a little bit different to the first one. Um, I'm not going to recap the whole story, but like in the first game, Ori is basically pretty naive and it's his first steps into the big wide world. In the second game, he's been through everything that he's been through in the first game and thus he is more grown up and it's more about, you know, what what is my place in the world rather than let's discover the world. So what I like to say about Will of the Wisps, and it's not just for the music, it's actually for the entire studio that made the game. It's basically Ori grew up, as did Moon Studios grew up. And I would say I grew up as a composer. It's more the beginning. I would say it's the beginning of chapter two of my career. I think if I look back and listen to the Blind Forest music, I can hear like it sounds like a composer that's naive and thus it has a charm to it that is quite unique. But if I wrote Ori in the Blind Forest now, I think it would probably be a little bit different. And maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but like that. That version of me in 2015 is a, is a really interesting version, but like the version of me in 2020 that wrote Orion Will of the Wisps, um, it's it's uh, it's the sum total of everything I'd learned from all of the other gigs after Orion the Blind Forest as well. I was able to put it into that one. And so it really kind of just feels like a, a mark of, of chapter two. Um, in terms of like the the music for the game, as you as you kind of mentioned, the the, the visuals in particular kind of inform exactly what i'm going to do with the music and not just that but also how the game feels to play um, one of the things i like to say about games is it's not a passive medium like uh film or tv um people will say that they can get the same thing from a game when they watch it on youtube or twitch it's not true uh that's fundamentally wrong and one day one day i promise i'm going to do a phd on uh, the effect of music and uh, holding a controller and um, playing a game and what that does to the brain. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to work with a new because it deeply fascinates me. But I got too much music I want to write first. But <laughs> sure. I, I do I genuinely want to work with a neurologist to like find out exactly what goes on. I'm sure someone else has like kind of covered it already, but maybe not with the music slant. Uh, yeah. But there is something special that happens when you're holding the controller. I don't know why holding the controller whilst uh, playing something and watching something on a screen should feel fundamentally different than, than sitting back in your armchair and just having it dictated to you. Mm -hmm. But it is. It truly is. For the vast majority of people that play games, it is different. Um, and so for me, if I want to understand how to write the best music for a game, I need to be holding that controller. I need to be experiencing exactly what the player is going through. And then I feel like I can do my best, best job, best job for it. Now, some people, it's funny. I actually had a panel with um, various other composers who were nominated for a BAFTA this year. And Gustavo Sant, I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, Santa, Santaolella, uh, the composer for The Last of Us 2, oh, uh, sure. Brokeback Broke Mountain, um, and, and Babel. He's won two Oscars. So I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I doing on this panel? <laughs> but, um, but he was like, uh, I, I remember it very clearly. It was very interesting because I understood where he was coming from. Um, but he was like, you know, when I was talking about what I just talked about, he's like, yeah, but at some point, you know, how, how do you, you know, just write a piece of music that is like full of emotion? And I'm like, I understand it because I've played the game and I understand exactly what emotion the player needs to experience. Now, his way of creating it, he likes to be told the story and then go away and make mm -hmm. an emotional piece of music based on what he's heard. And that's a totally valid way of piece making a piece of music. Hey, that's how pretty much every rock band and pop band ever has made music. And so it's a totally, totally valid way of doing it. But for me, the way I like to work, I like to get hands-on and understand literally exactly what the player is going to experience um, because then I can pace it exactly how I want to pace it, which has, uh, you know, implications for, you know, the, the interactivity of the music in the game as well. And with that deep understanding, and this is something you'll see said about the Ori games literally everywhere, the synergy between art, music, gameplay, animation is like few other games. Um, it's, 
you know, it's this is a bit of a cliche. It's a Disney movie come to life, but <laughs> it kind of is. Um, and it's one thing to do that, you know, in a film or a TV show, but like in a game, you've got to take into account all of the different things that the player are doing. And I feel like if if you pointed to literally any part of the game of any of, of either Ori game, I could tell you exactly what music is playing where, literally just from the image. And um, and I could tell you why I chose that music, you know, what was the decision-making process behind it. Um, and that's across like 125 different cues. So like I it's it's a lot of work. I'm not gonna not gonna deny that. And I was on and off the game for like three to four years. It was a pro- like the, the way I like to work is I like to get on early so I understand the game as it's being built. Um, so that when it comes time to like actually, you know, get the music written, I know the game inside out. Um, and thus that people ask me like, how did you write like three hours of music for, for a game? It sounds, sounds like such a lot of music. I'm like, well, is it really three hours of music? Because actually, you know, there's, there's one area of the game, for example, called the Moldwood Forest. And the Moldwood Forest has one central melody. You have, you know, that melody when you enter Moldwood Forest, and that's on the track called Shadows of Moldwood. Then you meet the, the boss fight section of the game and you have to fight more of the spider and more of the spider's melody is a version, a more, you know, uh, um, a, a much bigger and larger than life version of the melody you heard as you entered the Moldwood Forest. Mm-hmm. And then when you defeat more of the spider, you have, you're going through the same environment, but the same melody plays again. However, the harmony is different because you've now removed the Moldwood Forest of its source of corruption and you have the same melody this you know this is such a cheap trick but it's basically playing with a ma- uh, a major accompaniment so it's right. it's it's um, a major key accompaniment so the harmony is much more uplifting um so really to me that's like one piece of music but actually covers about 20 minutes of time um mm-hmm. so and, and i'm like that's really how i think of it now, uh, it's it's um th- there's a lot of games these days and I, it's it's a trend that i've noticed in the last you know two or three years there are massive, massive games that are like, you know, take you 50 to 60 hours to, to finish. And there's like five to six hours of music, but actually it's almost through composed. So there's actually not much repetition because one of the, the things that one of the dirty words, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a dirty word, but it's a dirty word amongst quite a lot of people in the game audio community is repetition. You can't have it. Mm. And I'm like, well, actually, you can. You just have to make sure that your music is good. Um, like, but, but, but what is good? What is good is what keeps you immersed in the game. How do you know what's good and keeps you immersed in the game? By playing it and finding out for yourself. Um, and so that comes back to that thing about how the, I play the game and like, do I get annoyed by my own music? And it also comes back to that thing about brain activity. When you are fully immersed in a game, you stop noticing things that stand out. And this is going to sound super cheesy, but you kind of, you know, that moment in the matrix where Neo just starts seeing the code all clearly. Right. It's not quite like that, but there's something that goes on when you're like properly immersed and there's no distractions in the room around you. Every, when every, there's, 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 there's a magic that happens in the truly great games that get you properly immersed where you just block everything out and Mm -hmm. You don't even know what buttons you're pressing because you've learned the controls properly. And then you're just having all of these cool things thrown at you with the visuals and you're able to react to them instinctively. That's when you and your mind and your brain is like flowing with the game fully. And that to me is like the holy grail of gaming. Like that's, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. And so when you get to that point where you're so immersed, you stop noticing the loop that's been playing in the background for 20 minutes. You just, because the loop that's playing in the background, you're not noticing the melody. All it's helping you do is helping you be and exist in that world. Wow. That is like one of the <laughs> best answers I think I've ever given. Like that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this stuff a lot recently, but I haven't like, cause, cause I've had a fair amount of downtime. I've like finished a couple of projects recently and I've like, I've actually been playing games a lot recently. Uh, it's not something I always have the luxury to do. Um, and there's, you know, there's some games that do have that effect on me. Um, and there's some games that very much don't. And I just get bored um, mm-hmm. because I'm not immersed. And that's, that's a problem. So like that level of immersion is like something I'm desperately seeking out. And I'm like, and when I do find it in another game, 
I'm like, okay, I need to analyze this game and break it down. I want to learn exactly like how they, how they did what they did. But I think it's a very, very real thing. Um, and it's, it's something that I've become like more and more fascinated about and probably something that's not been covered on this podcast that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least no. I hope not. Maybe, maybe there's some other person who's, who's like into the whole neurology behind it, but you weren't expecting to discuss brain activity today. Were no, you? no. Uh, I'm, I'm happy we, we did. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of com- some composers I've talked to have said, you know, they, they do fear repetition, yeah. uh, which, you know, in, in a sense, yeah, which, you know, in, in a sense may is totally understandable. But I think that the way you, you put it is also it really is whatever is best for yeah. the game, you know, and what yeah. you're doing, because, you know, I might I can go and listen to a, a game that has, you know, six hours of music and every single thing is different. And that can be great. But also. I could go listen to something similar that has, it's very, very similar, but within the yeah. context of the game, it can be perfect. And I should add that like some, you know, those games with massive music, sometimes it's all like absolutely incredible. It's, mm. it's, it, you know, it's really well produced. It's well composed. And it's just like, man, I wish there was just a through line that I could connect to this. Or that sometimes like this can just be the one thing that would like make it a perfect soundtrack. But one of the problems we face with doing these massive games is like we're just fighting to get the game covered like yeah. with with music because there's su- there's such a large amount of music to be to be written um and for me though honestly the the things i'm doing i mean it's it's composition 101 as far as i'm concerned i mean what i'm talking about really is theme and variations that example i just gave with the moldwood forest it's literally <laughs> theme and variations that's one of the first things you learn in composition class. Um, and frankly, if you go back and study classical music, I mean, all of these famous people made careers out of just varying their themes up. Uh, I mean, how many Mozart sonatas are literally the theme and then played in a slightly different way? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them, actually, because uh, that's <laughs> literally the definition of sonata form. So it's like, you know, you know, you, you have your A section. I, 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 you know, I've talked about structure in music uh, in the past a little bit, but like all of my all of my tracks pretty much follow song form um, in some way, even if it's like a creepy piece of music. Uh, and it was actually taught to me by a composer here, uh, Chris Young, who did Drag Me to Hell and done a bunch of horror movies. He's like, he, he talked about song form. And I was like, wait, how, how does that work in your horror stuff? And he was like, well, here's the score. And it's like, well, here's the verse and here's the chorus and here's verse mm-hmm. two and here's the chorus again. And you know, when you start to like see, see the patterns, you're like, Oh, actually, it's a really good way of structuring music. There's a reason why the pop song is probably the most popular form of music. It's, be- it's because it has basically three sections, first chorus and maybe a breakdown. And then verse two and chorus two is really just a variation of that. Um, and, esp- and especially in the tracks that loop a lot, all of my tracks, you know, they're, they're usually at least three minutes and 40 seconds because that is the the magic pop number maybe if they're shorter it's because of the tempo um but they generally follow the verse chorus verse chorus bridge pattern um and if you listen like shadows of mold was a perfect example it's literally verse chorus verse chorus outro (laughs) like that's it i can tell you right now and so so doing doing it's it was funny because like i remember doing that track and i was like well it's only two and a half minutes but I'm, 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 admit, I'm admitting to shortcuts now, but I was like, well, I'm just going to copy and paste the entire first half. Well, what became the first half. And then it, I just copied and pasted the first like 32 or 64 bars and made it. So it made the thing like twice as long. And I was like, well, all I have to do is change up the, you know, what is now verse two and chorus two, just a little bit, you know, maybe make it a little bit bigger, develop it a little bit more. Hey, I've written another two and a half minutes of music, but yeah. But I'm not doing anything that's like revolutionary. That's what I like to tell people. I was like, this is nothing new. This has literally been happening for centuries. Um, and I was, and, and there's, I think there's a fine line between, you know, writing too much music, but also things being too familiar. That's the, the I think there's a sweet spot for every game uh, for yeah. sure. Um, and, uh, you know, that can, that can be hard to find because, you know, Ori will take most people about 10 to 15 hours to experience. So, um, it's a very different challenge to, to writing a, you know, a 50 to 60 hour score, um, because then you, you've got to deal with more interactivity and, you know, think, you know, when, when you're dealing with more interactivity, then the music is changing more, which means things become less recognizable. So it's right. like where you've got to find a balance between like finding places where you can play like a track which has the hook or the melody 
Um, but over a 60, 50 to 60 hour time period, it's like, if you, if you do hear that too much, it probably will start to become jarring. It's, it's, it's different for every game as discussed, but that's part of the challenge of games that I love. Um, and, uh, you usually have to work really closely with the design team to find the best solution. Yeah. Uh, well, with you having mentioned, uh, playing games, uh, either now or, or in the past, are there any any games and or video game music that have are really special to you or you've loved? So um, this one, uh, a couple of examples um, for just for interesting composition, the Bioshock series by Gary oh, Simon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's never mind, never mind games. There's not a composer in film or TV or games that sounds like Gary. Uh, he, I mean, there's no one that sounds like him. No, there's not, there's not a composer working right now that could do exactly like what Gary does. I'm sure there's people who could try to do it and have the knowledge like of how to construct a score like that, but his scores work so uniquely well for the game as well. Like, you know, if, if you played any of the, the most esoteric music from Bioshock and be like, yeah, this is music from a video game. I'd be like, what? And that would be most people's reaction, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but then you experience it in the game. I can't imagine anything else in Bioshock. Um, so, yeah, the Bioshock series is, uh, is an example for sure. Um, and then uh, it's my favorite game of the last decade. Uh, it's Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Hmm. And if you haven't played it... Uh, oh. That's your homework assignment. Uh, you can <laughs> probably get you can probably get it for like 20, 20 bucks now. Okay. Um, the music, it's not so much the music of the game. It's more the overall audio experience, but music does exist in the game. It's, it's quite ambient, but it's slightly Norse themed. Um, the main reason I think about it is because the whole game builds up to for me, what for me is probably the best ending in video games ever. Mm. Um, and it's not just the actual ending and how the story wraps up, but it's the lead up and the final gameplay sequence to it. It has a needle drop, which I cannot think of a better needle drop in, in, and, and it, it's one of those things that like, if you heard this track in isolation and was like, yeah, this is a track from the game Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which is a Norse mythology themed game. You'd be like, WTF, what is this track doing here? It makes no sense. But then you experience it in the game and it totally works. And it, it's, 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 it's another thing, like it's, it's another brain activity thing uh, that's going on there. Um, and by the time you get to that point in the game, you are so invested in the character and the person, whoever chose this track and they don't, they, the composer did kind of like their own version of it, but whoever like chose to put it in, it's, it's at an absolute genius choice. It, it shouldn't work, but it totally does. And I've never felt playing a game what I felt playing the last 10 minutes of Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Wow. And it's a game that you can finish in a weekend. Um, it should take most people about six to eight hours. So it's, you know, play through on Saturday and a play through on Sunday night. Um, and so any listener, um, play Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. If you're even remotely curious, um, it's, it's one of the best story-driven games ever, in my opinion. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I do not have enough good words to say about it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's like two different answers for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are good ones. Um, well, uh, getting back to some of the uh, other games you, you've worked on. So like uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, yes. uh, which is is great. And it's this um, uh, it's very inspired by Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that you uh, having read up on it, you really drew a lot of authentic sounds and instruments from ancient Greece to incorporate in the game. Yep. So the, the funny, the, the funny thing about I immortals is it, it, it is Greek mythology themed, but if you look at the game, it's very fantastical. The animation style is very over the top. So there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of stretching and exaggerating in the, in the animation. Mm -hmm. um, the colors really pop in the visuals. I mean, it's a very, very attractive game to look at. Um, it's not going for the photorealism that a lot of games are looking, looking to do nowadays. It's definitely going for the, like a, a more cartoony style. Um, and you mentioned the Greek thing. 
uh, and being authentic, but I didn't want that to be the centerpiece of the soundtrack. It's more of uh, a flavor mm-hmm. as part of the overall dish. Because I think if I'd relied too much on the authenticity, it's like, I'm only going to use Greek scales and I'm only going to use Greek instruments. It wouldn't have fitted with the spirit of the game. And if you've looked at like, I mean, even the game's marketing is very silly. Like it's, (laughs) you know, and if if you look at just the game in general, I mean, Zeus and Prometheus are basically bantering with each other for the entire game. Mm. Zeus and and Prometheus basically act as your narrator throughout the game. Um, And I'm I'm sure for some people it might drive them a little bit nuts, but for for other people, like I know they really enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that banter and back and forth is one of the first things that stood out to me. I was like, oh, okay, this is not a serious Greek mythology game. It's more like a DreamWorks or Disney version of, you know, th- their spin on, I think DreamWorks might be a better comparison, like a DreamWorks, um, uh, Greek mythology movie come to life. And so I was like, okay, we need flavors of Greece, obviously. Um, but it's a game about mythology and these epic Greek gods. So we need to have, you know, full orchestra and have it be larger than life, but also has a very magical ethereal element, which is informed by, you know, the visuals as well. So it's kind of, it's funny. It's kind of taking from, you know, a little bit of my flavor of, of Ori for sure. Um, but also a little bit of my flavor for, for arc, which is over the top dinosaur, epic loud music. Um, and then, and then the ancient Greece, it's kind of like in this big, big melting pot. Um, and eventually, you know, we kind of found a style that was able to, to blend all of that together. Um, you know, it's, I mentioned DreamWorks, but actually, you know, it's, it's also kind of Fantasia meets Greek, Greek mythology as well. Um, one thing that was encouraged to me is not to be shy with the music. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if you've listened to the soundtrack, it's, it's not subtle. Um, there's actually a lot of quiet music in the game, but like when it's loud, it's, it's in your face loud. Um, right. But it's justified because, I mean, if you look at any playthroughs of the game or see anyone playing it, for example, when, you, when you're like fighting a monster with, your, with, with whatever weapon you're using and you actually kill them, they just go flying into the distance. There's, there's no reason for that other than it looks cool and yeah. it's fun. So th- th- there's a sense of fun to the game. And also, you know, Phoenix's story is, you know, she's being imbued with the power of the powers of the gods for story reasons as you go through the game. Um, and thus she is becoming more powerful. So it kind of gives you that sense of becoming a godlike figure um, uh, during the game. And so, yeah, if I was a god and, you know, I swung my sword, yeah, I'd kind of expect the, the, the enemy to go flying in the distance, no matter how ridiculous it sounds or looks. Um, and so um, there, there was always that sense of fun to the game. And so um that allowed me to to go over the top with the music but i did commission two greek lyres as uh, you know you pointed out the authentic greek aspect of it i commissioned two actually i think three greek lyres for the uh for the project uh literally made in greece and that was mm-hmm. the, like the, the most nervous ups shipping journey ever because they're, they're not cheap to commission from scratch um and i also had uh i didn't play it myself um i did play the liars myself um but i'm useless at woodwind but i have an amazing collaborator who plays like 300 instruments and uh i bought her an aulos for the project uh aulos is an ancient greek uh reed uh wind instrument um i personally think it sounds horrendous um it's like you i i wouldn't willfully listen to it but it's it's also very very unique sounding it's very very ancient greek sounding um and it basically ended up becoming the instrument of the underworld in the game because one of the cool things you can do about it is so it's it's a reed instrument but there's actually two pipes which you can play at the same time so you can generate two different notes uh and based on how you play them and how you move them you can actually bend the pitch in a crazy crazy way and if you listen to the track aulos of tartaros on the soundtrack i think it's track eight but it's definitely in the first 10 tracks um you'll actually hear this in action and it's such a dark and moody sound. Um, the underworld in the game, it actually takes place on an astral plane. So it doesn't feel like the underworld, but it's still like a place where, you know, difficult stuff happens. 
Um, and I was like, I need an instrument to become the sound of the underworld and ended up becoming the Aulos. Um, mm. And so it's one of these things that I took the Aulos as a flavor from ancient Greece, um, but we're not playing it in an ancient Greek style. We're not using the ancient Greek scales. I'm just like literally just noodle on the instrument and I'm going to find some stuff that sounds interesting. I then processed the hell out of it and uh, put it put it in like a cavernous reverb and then added some more synthetic elements and maybe a, like a string section behind it. Um, and then it became like a really unique flavor for all of the underworld music in the game. Um, and that was kind of my philosophy is just like, let's have ancient Greece, let's have orchestra, let's have magical and ethereal, let's not have too much of any one element except for the boss fights where things then you kind of need the heft of a big orchestra doing its thing. Right. Uh, no, it is cool to think about like, I mean, an instrument from, like that from so long ago, it could be perfect just as it is for a certain context, but mm -hmm. due to, you know, modern technology and everything and, and modern sensibilities, it could yep. work, you know, in its own way being kind of warped and, you know, changed. Well, that's the thing. If you, if you listen to an Aulos on YouTube and hear the authentic sound, and then compare with what I've done on Aulos of Tartarus. I mean, it sounds, it doesn't sound different. You'll still be able to recognize that it's an Aulos, but I've taken a lot of the edge off it. Um, and what you're left with is it's this weird, slightly uncomfortable bending sound, which you can still do on the original instrument. But if, I mean, if I just gave you the raw recording and you compared it with the final, it would be, it, it's quite alarming, like how different mm. it is. <laughs> but it still feels like a flavor from ancient Greece. And yeah, modern technology allows, what it allowed me to do in the case of the Aulos, it made allowed me to make it slightly more palatable. One to an audience that you know, th this game is aimed at you know young adults and and above. Um, so I said, you know, you can't make things too inaccessible. If if you go too far down the authenticity line, people just end up switching off. Um, you know, it, it comes back to the immersion. Like it's got to match what you're seeing on screen. Mm. Like, and if I'd gone with the full on Aulos, it just wouldn't have matched. It just wouldn't have matched what's on, on the screen at that time. So, um, that really was like my thinking behind it. I was like, I need to take this very strange sound that most people are not familiar with. And I need to like take the edge off it, but still not lose the soul of what makes it interesting so I can put it into this game. Um, it took, it took a bit of experimenting, but you know, that's part of the fun of the job. Yeah. Uh, was there anything not, not necessarily that instrument, but the, the similar process for a uh, halo. So, um, yeah, halo is completely <laughs> different in that respect. So, so, so my thing, generally speaking is, um, I'm used to creating the musical language for a game. Uh, I created the musical language for Ori, for Ark, for Immortals. Um, I'm 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 in my happy place, like when I'm I'm doing things from scratch. Now, it's not to say I wasn't for Halo, but what you have to understand is is that this is the sixth mainline game in the series, and I'm coming on to a franchise with a much loved musical history. Um, Right, right down to the original composers, Marty and Michael, um, Neil on Halo 4, Kazuma on Halo 5, um, and then Stephen Rippey and Gordy Hub on Halo Wars. Um, then there's the, then I think there's the mobile games, which are done by Tom Salter. The point is, like, there's been a ton of music written right. for Halo. And, like, I'm, like, number, I, I don't know what number composer I am, but I wasn't the first. That's the point. Uh, mm. I did not create the Halo musical language. So, Halo is a very, very unique challenge because I'm stepping into someone else's world and I have to learn it. it I, I liken it really to like learning a new language. Like if someone came and worked on, you know, let's say I'm not around to do Ori 7, if there ever was an Ori 7. Um, and I think it would be expected that that person would have to like go back and, you know, study the, you know, what originally made, you know, Ori, Ori work. Um, and um, I think that is expected of, it's certainly expected of the, because I'm not the only composer on Halo. There's, there's two, there's two other composers. Um, and uh, it's certainly expected of the three of us that we go back and take a look at like, what, what make, why do people love Halo's music? Like right. what, what is it that really brings, draws them in um, to, 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 
to the experience and like why why is it such a, a loved soundtrack and you, you yeah i approach it like learning a new language you've got to you've got to really like break it down like except it's learning a language without the textbook it's like you, you you're, you're getting you're, you're basically getting this really complicated book and you have to like decipher everything um because there is there is it's not like there's a manual on how to write halo music so you kind of have to um you know learn it yourself and so you start looking at the music and you you pick up on the patterns and you think the and the, and then you look at it the real key is looking at it with the gameplay um like that that's the key and i think that the thing that stands out for me about halo is um how in game how clean everything sounds mm. um even in the older games when music tech was not quite as advanced as it is now and the, the mixing engines were not as good as they are now um the game sounds clean it's so clean and it's 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 because you know the battle music isn't too busy it's just busy enough to give you the feel that you're in combat right um, but but another thing that i like to say about halo's music is that it reflects the character of Master Chief. Master Chief is like a superimposing figure, and he was literally, you know, he, 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 when, when he enters the battlefield, he, he's essentially a beacon for, for others to, to rally around. And so what might be a crazy situation to you or I, regular, regular human being with a gun who doesn't really, you know, who's, who would be scared of like a, an army of aliens, um, that's like you know breakfast for master chief like that's that's so, so the point i'm trying to make is that the music never it has a confidence to it um that is you know it, it kind of and it kind of gets you into the mindset of, of master chief and, and another comparison i like to make is that it feels a bit like um Ma master chief's heart rate would never change Right. No matter the situation, it's very measured. Compare that to Doom or something, where it's like the, the pace is like so frenetic, and that's that's the point. That's also the speed of the game. It's, it's very very different. Like Doom's a first person shooter, Halo's a first person shooter, but the feel of each game is very different based on the character, based on the gameplay, um, and that's all stuff that you got to look into when you're like learning a musical language that someone else created. So, so that was like that. Really, was the starting process um for for halo like learning that language um and then once that language is built as uh, built in my own head and the other composer's head it's like okay well we've got that really amazing foundation to 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 build upon because it's 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 a massive like history of amazing music um so it, we're already like starting on something that's rock solid <laughs> and it's like okay well now what flavors can can we bring to it that are like our own thing um and um, there was some instrument design done for for Halo, uh, but it was mostly in the synthetic realm. Um, but generally, generally we're trying to avoid like the the more generic, -y, uh, you know, synth score where it's just like a, a bass drone and some orchestra on top. We're trying to avoid that. Um, you know, Halo is quite a, Halo is quite a melodic score, quite a thematic score um, mm -hmm. compared to, to many other action scores. It does have a unique sound. So um, yeah, it's it's it was a different approach than than Immortals. Um, just because I had to, you know, learn someone else's language, but there's still there's still things we can do which I can't talk about yet. Because if I if I do, I'll, I'll uh, be breaking NDA. But um, there's, um, you know, it's it's we've we've respected, uh, you know, the the musical history for Halo, but there is definitely some of the the three composers' um, own aesthetic in the music as well. Um, but we haven't actually revealed much yet, partially because the game, you know, was delayed, uh, you know, it was supposed to come out last year, pandemic and, you know, all sorts of other things as well. Um, and uh, I think they've, I think Microsoft have gone for the, it'll be ready when it's ready. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it looks like they're going to release this year. So, um, yeah, um, at least that's what they've said. So, um, yeah, so uh, I can't say more right now, but um any Halo fans uh, listening, you haven't got long to wait now, so I, I don't think. Uh, yeah, so that's awesome. <laughs> um, well, well, I did want to touch on briefly uh, yep. uh, the uh, Arc Two video game, and then there's also the Arc animated series, which is you know oh, yes. going to be for television. Um, you know, it, which you know, it's kind of like a dinosaur, like prehistoric survival uh, adventure game, <laughs> and then it's been translated for for 
television. What has that process been like? Was it a bit of a, a different process, you know, doing the video game as opposed to the series or what, because it was all in the same world fairly, uh, was it uh, similar? It's funny because like, I, I love how hearing you describe it because I, I know, I, I obviously know like how the show ends and I know the story of arc two and there's all of the expansion packs, which actually have a, a crazy amount of lore. There's the expansion packs for arc one. So the game started out as a prehistoric dinosaur survival game. And there is a sci-fi element to it. But if I say any more than that, it like literally gives away the story. So it's right. like, um, everything is not as it seems like you know it's um there is i think one of the reasons the story uh, the tv show is being made is to you know make the law and story more accessible to more casual players um because the story for arc actually is i'm obviously biased but i think it's incredible um it's uh and and it's something that if you play the game you might not experience because it's a very it's a game that requires a lot of hours um, to put in, like to actually experience the story. Um, most survival games do demand a lot of your time. But there's, a, there's a really incredible, very lore-rich story in there, which the TV show is bringing to life. So it started out like me scoring the game with a dinosaur tint to it. And so it's very orchestral, like hardly any sense at all. But actually the end of Ark Survival Evolved, the base game, has quite a strong sci-fi tint to it. As you've gone through the expansion packs, the sci-fi tint has become much more dominant. But the dinosaurs are still around, you know, because people like dinosaurs. But actually, there's also a reason for them to still be around because of the story. <laughs> um, so what this has actually meant, and it, it, this is actually great timing, because actually literally uh, in a week and a half, maybe less, um, the latest expansion comes out and the score for that is almost exclusively sci-fi. Um, oh, cool. So um, it's we've kind of gone, run the whole gamut from like orchestral um, to sci-fi, but there is a reason for it in the story. Um, and that's, as a composer, it's like, it's the most ridiculously amazing canvas to work on. Who, like who, first of all, who, what composer doesn't want to write music for dinosaurs? There isn't one, trust me. Yeah, true. Uh, well, at least everyone wants to have a go at least once. Um, uh, but then, you know, most composers want to do, you know, sci-fi at least once in their career. I know I certainly did. Um, and like with the story being what it is and now having the chance to put it in the TV show um, or put a, you know, a version of the arc story in the TV show, it, the, the amazing thing about it is, and I found this when doing the most recent expansion pack kind of alongside the first few episodes of the TV show. I'm kind of doing juggling a couple of things at the moment with Ark. But like just being able to use one theme that I actually like came up with in the TV show and actually putting it into the game because there's like crosstalk between the two things. Um, now, the cool thing about the TV show is I don't think it'll help if you played the game, but it'll work if you haven't played the game for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but like the, the convergence of like themes between the base game and some of, some of the stuff I wrote like five to six years ago, and I'm able to resurrect it for the TV show because actually it makes sense. Um, I cannot begin to tell you how much fun that has been. Uh, partially because it makes writing a little bit easier, um, but yeah. like, um, but um, it's also just being able to resurrect material that I was like, oh man, that was a nice track, but it's like, it's, it's kind of done in the game, but now I'm like able to apply it in a linear and narrative format, which I actually think is my, like, str my strongest thing is storytelling, whether it's in games or TV, I, I just feel like I'm pretty good at it. Um, and it's like being able to adapt these cues that actually were originally written for gameplay situations. So like I can take the melody for that and like dump it in here. And now I get to line up with the picture and make sure it all works. Um, which has been its own challenge because I'm not exactly experienced in that arena. I do have experience, but like we've done get as many games as I have. Generally, the longest non-linear material we end up doing is like three to a three to four minute cutscene. And it's like, right, well, here you go. Now the episode is 23 minutes long and it's like, um, off, off you go. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, that's been a unique challenge, but it's, it's fun taking like pre-existing material, developing it, creating new material, new themes, and then like having that cross convergence. Um, there's own, I don't mean to sound big headed when I say this, 
there's only one person that could have actually done what I've done for the ARC TV show and um, and the latest expansions because I'm the one I'm the one that created the <laughs> language. Like, yes, someone else could have come in and studied it. It'd probably be you know they probably could have used the main theme or something like that. But I don't think it would have been quite the same. Um, I'm just very grateful that I'm one of the few composers that actually has been able to make the jump from game to like having the chance to do this show because the amount of times the the game composer isn't deemed worthy of doing the TV show or, or the film uh, that the the game um, that you know how many TV shows and films have been based off games in the past. It's like it's very rare that the composer gets to make the the jump. I don't know what reason that is. Probably politics, um, <laughs> and you know, not knowing the director or whatever. But there's also this, uh, quite frankly, ridiculous sentiment that game composers do can't do TV or film. I actually think it's the other way around um, because sure. um, game composers are constantly being asked to write non-linear material. Okay, it's not like a 25 minute long scene, but like we get asked to do most film and TV shows are made up of two to three minute long scenes. They're just back to back. Um, we trust me, we know how to do it. Um, just give us the opportunity and we'll probably prove it. Um, we know how to develop themes because we have to write more material um, like across the game. So it's, 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 it's always been something that's been very weird to me. And so I'm, I'm really fortunate. I get a chance to, well, hopefully, I've obviously got to deliver because obviously, if I do a bad job, then uh, people will be like, "Ah, he didn't do a good job." Now we'll only we'll only hire uh, TV composers now. Screw yeah. screw all those game composers. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's it was just nice to be to have that opportunity. Um, but but honestly, the the real fun is like just being able to like use themes from one place of a game that I worked on. And then drop it in the TV show, and it's like, oh man, this, this is actually all coming together. And I'm bringing the story to life that I've known what the story is the whole time, and actually being able to see it come to life in a linear, digestible format that takes place over a season of television rather than a thousand hours of gameplay <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> or however long it takes. So it's a bit more manageable, and it's 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 a more reasonable ask um, of, of people. So. Um, Plus, I have to be honest, um, and I, I hate to name drop, uh, but the cast list for the thing is absolutely insane. Oh, yeah? Um, Crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, Russell Crowe, Gerard Butler, Vin Diesel, Michelle Yeoh, um, Elliot Page, David Tennant. Um, I'm missing Malcolm McDowell. Um, I'm missing like four or five more, but the cast list is insane. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, I I've been doing the, the music for the early episodes, and I'm like, I, I I guess that's Russell Crowe's voice. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's like uh, that's that that's it's going to be a while before that gets old because it's that's mm. that stuff is all new to me. Um, one of the other cool things um, with it being this like cross media thing, um, they've actually David Tennant's um, a character in the game. He plays uh, an antagonist um, in in the game. Um, maybe not an antagonist but a, a character um that certainly has a darker feel to him and when, anyway when he was cast they've actually gone back and re-recorded in the game all of his lines with david tennant's voice um mm. and they're actually doing that with all of the actors from the tv show because arc is a living game uh, you know it's been active for uh six years now it's actually six years old next week um and so they can actually do that they can go back and like update every single line in the game with the the cast voice actors from the from the tv show and that just allows for consistency and speaking of consistency just to round this off we move the final expansion pack for arc one comes out you know, uh next week but you know we're moving into to arc two and you know that you know how's that going to all continue well i'm the one that gets to build that bridge between you know between arc one arc two and will it connect to um the arc tv show and what's happened is that there's one piece of music which you know people will figure out what it is when they start to like get their head around all of the content there's one piece of music that has basically kind of become and it's it's not just the main thing it's something that's uh, got a more emotional element to it um there's a very emotional element to the tv show which kind of surprised me it's like not just dinosaurs and action right. um but there's one piece that has emerged as like carrying all of the you know emotional weight and it's kind of like become the emotional theme of the series and it's funny because 
I'd sat on it for actually four years and hadn't realized that it was just actually existing in an older piece of arc music. And I was like, wait, that's a really decent motif. Time to take it and develop it. And I was like, oh, wow. It's like, it's become this thing. We actually, we actually used it in the arc two trailer that aired at the game awards. Um, I did a longer version of it, which I've actually, um, um, you know, which I'm actually really pleased with. Um, but we're dropping it in the TV show. We're dropping, you know, dropping it in multiple places where, emotion needs to count and you know you've watched enough tv shows i'm sure um where they drop the emotional cue and it somehow always works um yeah. you know there's cues that you start to recognize and you're like oh man it's that cue and i know something like important is about to happen um it's kind of cool to be able to like have have them being able to drop that cue not just in the TV show, but in the game as well. Um, you can probably sense that I'm having a lot of fun with this. Like, yeah. um, it's it's uh, it's a lot of material because, like, between Arc and the five expansion packs, Arc Two and the entire TV show, it's like it's like the the Arc universe has become like quite a massive musical odyssey. Um, but I've been very you know very lucky. I mean, we got to do the most expan most recent expansion pack at Abbey Road. Um, so because there is some there is some orchestra. We did do the original Arc game at um abbey road as well but you know just getting to go back like they've they've thrown a, a lot of resources at the music and they they really one of the things i like about them is uh they are not afraid to have music take the lead um and that's um i'm not really giving anything away here because it's in the game as well the music's not subtle in the game and it won't be a background score in the tv show as well mm -hmm. i think arc fans would be disappointed if it was just a. Uh, uh, a drone and pad uh, score. It's definitely not that. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think people have a lot to look forward to um, for, uh, for the animated series uh, when it's out. Uh, hopefully next year. Uh, I've still got to you know write a feral chunk of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean to to be very broad and and uh simple that sounds really exciting so i mean that's yeah <laughs> just just listening to it's you know it gets me ex you know you know so i really i realize i'm giving you like massive monologues here i so i hope okay. I'm, I'm i hope i'm trying i hope i'm keeping your audience engaged no you're good you're good yeah. um yeah well uh, uh gareth i mean it, it's great talking to you is there anything else um in particular that i haven't brought up that you'd like to have known anything else coming up or any, anything else recent um I think you covered most of it because the yeah we we just covered arc and I literally got a thing coming out next week but that but that'll be on uh, that'll be on Spotify um, cool. so we just released the main theme on my uh, on on YouTube um, and if you want to keep up to date with what I'm doing I'm reasonably active on Twitter and pretty much active nowhere else I don't do I, well I have an Instagram account but I just don't I never upload anything to it um, I don't really use Facebook anymore, but Twitter is, uh, I quite enjoy Twitter. Uh, and also I'm very inclined to answer questions on Twitter, especially if they're specific. Awesome. I particularly enjoy specific questions. Like so, so if, there, if, so if there's something you've ever heard of mine, you're like, what is that like thing in that five second snippet of the piece? I'm, I'm inclined to give you a really detailed answer if the question is really detailed. Um, oh. so, um, yep. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I enjoy Twitter. Um, yeah, basically Halo Infinite's coming out. Um, and then, yeah, we've covered arc and there's, I can't say anything about it, but there's one project that I'm in pre-production on, um, which is literally the dream project, but it's probably not going to be here for like three to four years. Okay. Um, so, um, I've, I've just started it though. Uh, and yeah, I, it's, uh, it's literally the perfect game for like what I want to do. Um, so I've, I've, I've talked a good game now so we can revisit that in three to four years when you're yeah. like fi 500 episodes into your podcast um, <laughs> yeah. and you've, you've had like uh multiple you've had like every composer ever um but yeah. yes th thank you for including me uh, amongst your uh far more illustrious guests um, oh, no it's, it's like, been great you. and yeah i mean uh you know whether it's in a few years or, or you know sooner than that would love to get you back on and, and sure talk thing. some more and with, with you uh having mentioned uh answering questions I mean, get get ready for a laundry list of specific questions. I'll have to send you. I hope so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm on Twitter, uh, and my my uh, my Twitter tag is is literally my first and last name, Gareth Coker. Cool. Um, uh, so very easy to find. Awesome. All right, everybody. I think that is about it for the show this week. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your way out. Thank you so much. 
You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Music Buds. Check out themusicbuds.com for more information. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we'll see you next time.